The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. It's time to get fired up. Fired Up is a show that delivers both business impact and social importance. Get ready to explore the connection between communications and human motivation. Our guests will share ideas on how to create higher returns on your communication investments by engaging the people who matter most. Our host, Gordon Rudo, CEO of Bonfire Communications, has bridged the communications gap from startups and nonprofits to the Fortune 500, from political leaders to celebrity CEOs. Get ready to be fired up with your master communicator, Gordon Rudo. So welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Fired Up Radio, where we talk about how we move people to action here, how we as communicators, as business leaders, have the ability or even the responsibility to create organizations or whatever your organizing framework might be, a a team, a family, uh, but keeping them healthy and vital and having them move to action for you or produce for you or achieve for you, uh, but in a more sustainable fashion. So we want to talk about business success here, organizational success on this show, um, but in perhaps a more holistic framework than uh, you're accustomed to. So we're going to widen this, this spectrum, and you probably see that in our guests. We've had uh, a variety of guests on the show so far, uh, organizational psychologists, neurobiologists. We've had executive coaches, coaches and branding experts, technology and communication specialists, and some executives. So we have this wide range of views to this topic and this framing inquiry, really, what conditions need to be put in place for what we think is, is the central work of the new millennium. Not just moving people to action, uh, but co-creation. Getting people to think together, design, produce, implement, learn, or even grow together in, in physical fashion as we are accustomed to and more and more these days in, in virtual fashion. So whether it's a cause, a mission, a goal, achieving together requires a variety of things. But the thing that we're going to focus on today, and we focused on last week with our guest is this notion of creating deep meaning. How do we create deep meaning for one another and create an environment that people are connected to and inspired by and help them achieve these goals? So this journey has taken us to a lot of places, a lot of different guests, and today we have uh, our colleague back from last week. Um, So it's led us to Jonathan Willard, which we've spent some time with, and we're going to spend some more time today. And and a little bit about Jonathan again. he, uh, He and I have worked together, so I've had the opportunity to side by side with him and I, I said last week he is one of the more interesting and more compelling thinkers I think in our field today and I've seen that hands on and you'll hear about that uh, I think for yourselves today. He's also since leaving uh, Bonfire worked with Towers Perrin as the global head of org- or actually uh, leading employer branding at, at Towers Perrin and the global head of organizational communications at JWT Inside. He's currently with the involvement practice as a freelance consultant. Um, in addition to what he does in the corporate world, uh, you'll see his, his writing published, his paintings uh, collected. You'll see his stuff today if you are in the New York or Long Island area at the Gallery 5 and Point Lookout. Uh, and he's just a great person to have these conversations with. So I just want to start off, welcome you back. Jonathan, how are you doing this morning? No, I'm great, Gordon. It's a pleasure to be with you again. 
Well, thanks for coming back. We're going to do another back and forth today and, and get a lot of things covered. So if you don't mind, just diving right down into business here. So last week, we were discussing, in essence, really moving people to action and looked at it from this Emil Durkheim quote that I have stolen from you and used many times about uh, creating religious experience for people, how people want to or even need to be part of something greater than themselves and how organizations are a great context um, for that. But before we get into the how, which we spent some time on last time, I, I want to spend a little more time on up front and talking about the why. Because at the end of the day, if we can't, uh, as a vice president of a division or as an operating unit or as a communicator, if we can't convince our executives to fund these activities or make these activities of engaging our people important, uh, then all the great hows that we're sharing with people are never going to happen. So uh, if we can spend a couple minutes up front talking about why, and if I can just drive you to, to this conversation you might be having sitting across from a, a Fortune 500 CEO today. If you were sitting across from one of these guys and they're dealing with rifts or downsizing or an acquisition, and, and all that complexity is keeping them bottled up, but you know that they need to engage their people. You, we know that we want co-creation and productivity and involvement happening in their organizations. How do, you, how do you begin to have that conversation with them? What would you say to them why this is important? Well, uh, Gordon, I don't know that I'd say it in exactly these words, but for the benefit of the audience, the, the reality is, is that human beings are, are meaning-seeking creatures. Uh, we are looking to create meaning in everything we do. And when we are engaged by an employer, when we work for an organization, we're spending the lion's share of our waking hours uh, with that organization and devoted to that organization. So the message I would have to the, and that I've brought to leaders of many organizations is this. Your organization plays the primary role, or the primary, one of the primary roles in the lives of your employees. How much are you thinking about the way in which your organization is shaping its people's identity? Because, because it is. And because your people are finding meaning uh, in their work on an everyday basis, how much are you thinking about what meaning people are taking away from, from this, this experience? And the opportunity you have in shaping that is actually uh, in, in, enormous. Yeah, I think you're right in, in, in focusing on this human motivational issue. So there's a, a lot of great data out there. You know, you've seen all the Watson Wyatt reports, and I'll just quote a point or two. You know, companies that communicate effectively have 19.4% higher market premium than companies that do not, or the fact that high communication effectiveness in, in organizations, they experience 57% higher return uh, to shareholders, uh, TRS. So... There's data that's out there, but beneath the data, I think you're right. The issue why these metrics evolve the way that they do is because we're tapping into the most intrinsic motivation in human beings, and if we want to motivate them to succeed, we need to understand what truly motivates them. And so connecting to, to meaning is another important piece of it. What else would you tell them about uh, why and then moving into how, because that's always their next question. But if you can't convince them that it's important from a motivational perspective and these data points, for whatever reason, executives are still not doing what they need to do in engagement these days the way that we expect. So um, how, how would you wrap that up? 
you're right. I think there, about 10 years ago, were we to walk into the C-suite at many organizations and discuss the primacy or the, uh, the significance of communications and shaping the employee experience, uh, we'd get a lot of polite nods, but not as many people, not as many executives who would say, you're absolutely right, that, that, that needs to change. Uh, let's change it. That's where we are today. I, you, we're, you're not going to find many executives who say, oh, organizational communications, that's not important. In fact, it would probably be top two or top three uh, list of, of, of key success factors for most executives today. But what you're saying is right, is that there's, there's just a giant disconnect between the, the awareness of the importance for communications and shaping an employee experience and actually uh, doing that work. So your question is, how, what would be the advice on going about cha- making those changes, you know, connecting the, the awareness to some form of action? And my answer to that would be, it has been, to connect the, the need for communication to actual um, operating uh, situations or operational performance improvements or, or metrics. Because really, when we sit with uh, leaders from all different functions, what we find is there's a tremendous pull for the communications function. So rather than looking just to communicate for the sake of communicating, it's actually bringing your communications into the lifeblood of your business so that maybe it doesn't even sit outside the function. Maybe communications become some form of internal consultancy to the other functions. But I guess the advice would be integrate it in what you're doing right now. Don't look to create communications above and beyond what you're doing. Build it into what you're doing right now and see how much better your your current – strategy becomes. Let's spend some more time on this. We're going to need to take a short break, but let's come back to this because you've seen this as well, Jonathan. Many vice presidents or directors or or professional communicators, they still don't know how to have that conversation with the executive. You know, the substance of that conversation I think we're talking around, but how to have that conversation, how, how to engage them in the dialogue of what you're trying to do, Mr. CEO, we can help you do. And for you to achieve those goals, wouldn't you like 30,000 people to be as passionate about it as you are? And, and some of the, the fodder of that conversation. Let's, so let's come back after a short break to holding the conversations with the executives, getting them to agree upon and put investments behind the important employee-facing initiatives and engagement. So we'll come right back after a short break. Stay tuned. Fired Up on WebmasterRadio.fm will return after this short break. So you're telling me your affiliate program on the local Pages Affiliate Network is performing as well as your handicap? Absolutely. Thanks to their top-tier XML feed, I'm able to monetize all of my traffic. They handle all of my volume to anywhere in the world. Plus, I also get high cost per click and the most exclusive of advertisers to work with. You should join the club. Sounds good. I can't wait to join. But first, let's work on that tee shot. Use the power of local pages with over 5 billion searches per month and the largest database of paid search listings. Let Local Pages Affiliate Network personalize your account and give you the search tools and solutions you need. Become a Local Pages Affiliate today with localpages.com. Have a good weekend, Andy. See you, Andy. Hey, Jan, why are all the coders leaving so early? Doesn't your department have a deadline of, like, midnight or something? Me and my staff are here all night. I saved money on my staffing budget by outsourcing a lot of work to Offshoring.com. I told them I needed a coder, and they sent me profiles fast. My staff just filled in the little details, and now we're having margarita night. Offshoring.com. Fast and expensive. Excellent and on time. Offshoring.com. 
How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Ready to learn to be a mass marketing mastermind? Take some notes from the godfathers of mass distribution. Inbox, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. You're getting fired up, only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's Gordon Rudo. We're back with Jonathan Willard. We're talking about holding executive conversations and getting commitment or buy-in on employee engagement type of initiatives or communication initiatives. And I started before the break segueing into the substance and and even the dialogue of that conversation. So why don't you pick it up, Jonathan, on your side. Uh, I was describing how, you know, for Mr. Executive, we can get 30,000, 50,000, you name the employee size number. We can get them as passionate about this issue as you. How would you like that to happen? And I've always found that building that common ground is an important part of that dialogue. You want to achieve this? I want to achieve that, too. You want to have that happen? I want to have that happen, too. Here's how I know I can make that happen for you. So what are are some of the other elements of that conversation? Well, leadership has become very comfortable in sophisticated communications uh, conversations that concern external constituencies. So... When you sit with a leadership team and you begin to discuss, let's say, something like customers, and you begin to break customers into segments and then talk about the various needs, wants, desires, communications, preferences of different segments of customers, uh, executives are very comfortable with that conversation. In fact, they embrace that conversation out of recognition that that, uh, that's the right way to uh, conduct the communications-oriented conversation. But very few times do those kinds of conversations take place around their internal audiences? And so taking uh, that executive or the executive team through an audience segmentation exercise where you begin to dissect the internal constituencies, who they are, how they live, what they care about, how they communicate, uh, along the same lines as a customer segmentation is a great way to begin because oftentimes what it does is it exposes the uh, really the the gray areas or the or the dark areas within the communications hierarchy of the organization, and and it begins to lead to a set of um, next steps around what needs to take place to improve the internal communications. So that segmentation mapping exercise is a great way to begin. So you're you're talking my game right here because I think this is uh, the entry point. If uh, an executive does appreciate, as you're saying, the the understanding and the data around understanding external audiences. Can we convince them that understanding internal audiences is just as important? And I think that we can. So the mapping of those internal organizations, and let's even take this one step further and talking about the blending of the internal and the external. And you and I both uh, read this white paper, and I want to speak to that a little bit, um, this notion that brand is culture and that the the lines that once existed the boundaries that once existed between an organization and its customers are gone. So 
without these boundaries, if you are not truly living your brand, if your people do not truly believe in what the company is about, that blends out into the marketplace. With peer-to-peer networks and Yelp and all of the social frameworks that are out there right now, it is a an absolute permeable boundary between the organization and its customers. So you need to understand your internal customers and your external customers uh, consistently because they're becoming the same thing, right? Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. They're, the lines between internal and external have really blurred at this point. In fact, it's almost a misnomer to call the function internal communications anymore because so much of what takes place internally is now viewed externally in things like YouTube videos or uh, different blogs or wikis or one kind or another. So, yeah, th- those lines have, have really blurred pretty significantly. Uh, but coming back to the, the, the white paper we're talking about, there is a great, there's a great quote by the, the sociologist Heilbrunn, which, in which he says that in a secularized context, economic entities and brands have taken the symbolic place left empty by the retreat of the divine. And again, and I don't, we don't certainly mean to step on religion in any way, shape, or form here, but what, he, the, what he's really saying in that is that in, in this desecularized context, things like where you work uh, has taken an incredibly primary role in the life, whereas, say, church or um, temple or mosque once had that same role. So what, you know, it's, it's a tremendous opportunity for organizations to influence um, their employees in, in a really positive way around the kind of identity they want to create. This is important, so let's spend a couple more minutes here, and I, I do want to give the authors of this white paper some kudos here. It's, it's from a firm called ID Branding out of Portland, Oregon. Uh, give them something to believe in the value of brand culture, and to our listeners, you can download this off the web and off their website. Um, and to go on with one more quote, because I think this is, this is really cool stuff for us to understand and take action on. Uh, they talk about uh, Clifford Gertz's other definition, that, that we are, as you said earlier, we are creatures of meaning, and historically, transmitted pattern, uh, patterns of meaning are embodied in symbols, a system of inherently, inherited con, uh, conceptions expressed in symbolic forms by means of which men communicate, perpetuate, and develop their knowledge about and attitudes towards life. So our worldviews are evolved out of what we create meaning from, and meaning from these days are far more about the products that we buy and where we work than where we're from. Uh, and he has this great little framework in here that we become our brands, right? Our identities are formed out of what we associate with. Um, I'm a Prius-driving, eco-friendly, clothing-wearing, buy, uh, fair-trade-buying, uh, Prada-wearing, blood-free diamond-wearing sort of individual. And that becomes the composite of our self-identity. So we attach ourselves to products that confirm that identity. And what does right. this mean to us as employees? Yeah, and I think there's a really important piece embedded in what you just said, Gordon, for and uh, for organizational communicators, and that's that the the decision to buy the Prius, the decision to um, use an Apple, the decision to wear Nikes, all of these things have an intellectual component to them. You know, they, I might believe that the uh, operating system of the Apple is better, and I might think that the Prius is better for the environment, and I might believe that the um, Nikes are better formed for my feet and there's more science to them. But even before that, it's what do those things, what do those decisions make me feel about myself, right? That's the identity component of it. 
and the identity component and the and the cog- conscious and active shaping of identity is something that organizations have really not embraced. And the the issue with that is that the shaping of identity is happening anyway. It's not so, it, whether whether organizations think cogni- cognizantly and uh, actively about what they're doing to shape the identity of the people within their organization or not, it's happening. And so the opportunity to help to just embrace that and to shape it is, 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 again, is quite significant. And the first thing that people talk about, right, at a cocktail party, it's not necessarily nice shoes. I mean, the first thing that you say to somebody is, so what do you do? And and your identity of, of your job and the demographics and psychographics and, and the socioeconomics, all of that kind of lives inside of, well, what do you do? So, I mean, exactly. this job that you have becomes such a central part of how you identify yourself and all of the things that the company does, its values, its strategies, its even CSR initiatives, they can be uh, huge parts of that story that people tell themselves uh, that give them pride, that give them identity, or, as you say, it's happening anyway. You could just not tell them about that stuff and, and figure out how they want to form their identity based on their own preconceived notions. So conscious or unconscious, uh, it makes a big difference here. And here's a great, that's a great point, Gordon. And here's a great anecdote from the work that we do. I was in London about uh, six months ago working with uh, the heads of leadership of a large multinational that advertises all over the place um, in al- airports and everywhere and probably spends a fortune on advertising and uh, working with some of their people. And use that, that very interesting uh, intro where you say, well, if our brand went to a cocktail party, you know, what would it look like? What would your ass? It's something that we consultants use as a way to kind of drive, you know, abstract thinking from an audience. And looking at this group of executives, the executive said to us, if our brand was, uh, if our brand, our brand wouldn't go to a cocktail party. It doesn't attend parties. <laughs> and I was just stumbled by this, just struck by this, that, that they thought that their organization wouldn't be would, would decline to go out to a social event. It didn't have anything <laughs> to socialize about, and it was just an incredibly um, barren moment for the whole room because they had spent so much money on their external advertising constructing a story, and that story just did not live for their people internally. And the, and the disconnect between those things was just uh, was just gross, you know. It's tremendous, and I think these are the things that fire us up as consultants. There's huge missed opportunities, and we're talking about a lot of them so far. We have to take another break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about how to leverage those opportunities and give our listeners some takeaways. But huge, huge opportunities that organizations and leaders are missing, and I want to also talk about why they're missing it, because we talk about this stuff week after week, and this is intuitive. Uh, There's data that supports it. There's a tremendous amount of literature that's out there. Yet there's a a huge number of organizations that are not taking advantage of these opportunities. So we'll talk about why and what we can do about it after a short break. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Fired Up on WebmasterRadio.fm will return after this short break. Your company's website sucks. You know it. Everybody knows it. So get a to-do list to fix it. On Target, a subscription service from Future Now and Brian Eisenberg monitors your website 24-7. Analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix. 
and how to fix it so that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On-target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash on-target. Are you happy with your landing page performance? Discover how to improve your landing page performance with ConversionCritic.com. Brought to you by Engine Ready. Turn your underperforming landing pages into cost-effective sales-producing machines. Be sure you're not wasting your precious PPC budget. Conversion Critic tools give you the ingredients to create high converting landing pages. You don't have to be an expert to use Engine Ready's Conversion Critic tools, but you'll feel like a landing page pro. Take the guesswork out of increasing your conversion rate. Visit conversioncritic.com and boost your conversion rate for free. That's www.conversioncritic.com. Friend Finder. Friend Finder. The world's largest online dating network featuring over 100 million profiles at hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With Friend Finder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. Wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. SEOSeek.com is your one-stop site for everything SEO. From search engine marketing to pay-per-click management, SEOSeek.com delivers high-quality SEO services at affordable prices. SEOSeek.com can help you with SEO analysis, monthly reports, title and meta tag optimization, email support, and so much more. Want to keep your SEO in-house? Let our professional trainers teach SEO to your staff. Get a free quote and a free competitive analysis today at SEOSeek.com. Inside Internet Dating, Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime under iDate inside the conference channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. You're getting fired up only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, here's Gordon Rudo. So in our closing minutes here, we have uh, less than 10 minutes, and Jonathan, I, I dig talking to you, my friend, and we could talk about this stuff for hours and hours, and I think there's some good takeaways for folks, but let's start drilling it into some more specific stuff for folks. So there's some missed opportunities. How, how can our listeners start leveraging some of these opportunities? Well, Gordon, there's, there's probably four things that come to mind that uh, companies can use to sort of immediately change the game for their around their organizational communications, around their employee experience. All of these are entryways into significant change initiatives. The first we've discussed a bit, map your audiences. Uh, there's just no doubt that there's uh, a great opportunity for organizations to, s- to spend more time understanding their own people, uh, how they live, where they live, what they care about, how they communicate, uh, it, it, that, that investment will pay dividends for many years to come, and it will also pay dividends in places like recruitment and in the increasingly important building of alumni networks. So uh, I would say the map-making component uh, of your uh, audience segmentation work is a great place to begin. Okay. Keep rolling. So the next thing that I think is an enormous opportunity is the, is the importance of, of, of feeling or focusing on feeling. There's a a long-standing paradigm in organizational communications that goes like this, think, feel, no do. And we both understand the merits of uh, focusing on, on, on first thinking. But if we were to invert that paradigm a bit and to talk about 
the, the, the primacy of feeling in the role of uh, organizations and, and the way people live within those organizations. Uh, that would change the way a lot of things happen. I recall being in a focus group at one uh, global leading company, and an employee held up a copy of the employee newsletter and a copy of a customer newsletter. And they looked so different. And, of course, there was an, a, a lot more money was devoted to the customer newsletter than the employee newsletter. But the thing that was obvious to everyone who was looked in the room that day was that the organization cared a lot about how that newsletter made the customer feel. And the employee newsletter was focused on just informing the employee. And we really... We're all looking for feeling in our communications, and so there's a great opportunity for organizations to in, you know, inject more emotive, uh, heart-oriented communications into their organizations. So I want to expand on, rather than, than add to your list, just expand on these notions. When you're talking about mapping your audiences, and again, this is something that I care deeply about, and uh, I think I've talked about this on other episodes. Bonfires developed an audience-centric methodology that, that's all about this, making sure that all of the communication centers on and is grounded on the concerns of those audiences. And if you don't connect with them, if they don't care about what you have to say, then it's all useless. Um, but the next level of that, and you've heard me talk about this in the past, is this notion of empathetic muscle. And once an organization has this competency, this new skill set or this new muscle about understanding their audiences, because they've done good mapping, they've done them over and over again, then every time you launch something, every time that you want to engage an audience, you don't have to go through tremendous exercises. You intuitively know what people care about. Whenever you have a one-on-one -on -one with your employees or you send out a newsletter, whatever the communication is, you come at it from that empathetic perspective and you get them. People feel, quote unquote, gotten from that process and they're with you. So uh, I think this is a great starting point, building that empathetic muscle, mapping your audiences and creating meaning for people. When you're talking about uh, you know, creating meaning for people, I know this is something that you talk about quite a bit, is involving them. Uh, and I know the involvement practice and, and where you're affiliated right now is, is very deep into this notion that interactivity and connection happens with action. You can't, it's not just theoretical or rhetoric, it's actually putting things in place to involve them. Can you say some more about that? Yeah, well, <clears throat> we all know the, the power of involvement. It's one of these things that we get on a gut level. We've all been up involved in one thing or another in our life, and we know what that's like and how powerful and how compelling that could be. And the reason that I think that the involvement practice is uh, has getting so much play right now is because what involvement is almost the, the root of engagement. Uh, if when I think about every great engagement initiative that um, that we've been a part of and helped create, <clears throat> at the root of it is involvement. So involvement is, is sort of the linchpin of engagement. And by uh, you know you and I discussed in our last phone call, sometimes uh, engagement is one of these areas that people don't know exactly what it means or, or don't, aren't comfortable with the term or, or whatever, whatever the case may be. Involvement is something they get immediately. And, you can, and we could link or drive involvement into all the, all the organizational initiatives that already exist. So it, it's a, it, it doesn't require creating anything above and beyond uh, that which exists in the organization already. It's just sort of changing the paradigm for existing organization initiatives to open up the opportunity for more people to get involved with them. So uh, it's been a very intuitive um, construct for many organizations to embrace and with, uh, with some excellent results.
And, and there's some tools for this, right? I mean, open book management is all about this, giving people uh, a view of the organization and line, line of sight to the goals and the metrics and, and their performance on a regular basis. There's learning maps, ways of in, involving them in very broad and deep conversations, but at a very high level so that they don't have to go through the six months of market research that a marketing team went through, but they get the highlights and they're able to, to catch up and move with the organization. Or, or contests and, and innovation yeah. workshops, There's, there are technologies and methods to do this um, that are all available. Sure, and I would even add to that, that list was great. I would even add to it um, experiential learning. Uh, we, I find many of the, in, the interventions we're creating and the programs that we're creating begin with or uh, end up sort of, sort of linking to some significant um, experiential learning piece because I think what we're finding is the well-constructed experiential learning environments um, are, go a, a long way towards driving that empathetic muscle that you were talking about, when people get to see and feel what uh, a particular behavior or set of behaviors looks like on stage or on a video, uh, they get it real quickly as opposed to just looking at bullet points on a PowerPoint. Yeah, this is, there's so much here, and I'd love to spend some more time. Again, we're, we're out of time here, um, but I'm looking at my notes from this conversation, and there's some terrific takeaways, and I think just to, to summarize it, and I'll take a pass, and if you could take a pass as well, um, people want to be treated both as human beings, right, but also with intelligence. Don't, don't not communicate with them and allow them to make up stuff. Don't keep them in a corner and don't involve them in the data. People want to be involved and engaged and, and want to be treated like intelligent human beings. And there's ways of creating meaning for people by just exposing people to what you're doing. Running a value-based operation is great, but you have to talk about the values. You have to talk about your goals. And the CSR stuff, we mentioned this before, but I want to highlight this. I have a lot of clients that are doing terrific stuff in the marketplace uh, or, or for society and for communities and in the nonprofit sector. They have foundations that are doing great stuff. And there's this uh, lack of communication about what they're doing to the organization. And when I ask about that, there's this constant, or, or at least I've seen this a handful of times, um, this notion that they're being humble by not talking about it. And I don't think it's humility. Uh, I think they're missing a huge opportunity of inviting people into what this company is really about and the difference that it's making, and you're not affecting your people in a way that, that's making a difference. So is it humility? Or what do you think about this one before we go? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really true. It's, that's almost an epidemic. It's, and it's, it's, it is born out of, I believe, a notion. Uh, there, is, there is a quotient of humility in this. There's also, as, you were, as we were saying earlier, just um, uh, organizational uh, proclivity to not communicate on many respects, but it's a combination of those two things. But yes, when we work, go out to highly engaged organizations and we really listen to what people are proud of and what drives them and what gets them going every day to come to work and make a contribution, very oftentimes we hear about the things the organization is doing beyond um, beyond business. So that's the the CSR. Um, donations, investments, philanthropic things that they're doing within their community and within the global community. And yes, there is a real lack of communications around these things. And there's a tremendous, those investments, which are often multi-million dollar investments, are the kinds of things that people are looking for, for their organization to tell them about. Those are the kinds of things, if their organization that they work for is donating millions of dollars to help uh, disenfranchise people of some, in some part of the world, 
that's a tremendous source of pride for the organization. And it's a tremendous missed opportunity for organizations that aren't making those communications investments around it. Uh, a, good CSR invest, a good CSR initiative that uh, should be structured to have a significant communications component because that's what's going to get the organization excited about um, creating the dollars that, that the organization is then able to invest. So much richness here. You know, I'd love to spend some more time. We're out of time here. So, Jonathan, I, just, I want to thank you again for spending time with us. It's been a great dialogue. I think there's some terrific takeaways here. Uh, any closing uh, plugs or anything that you want to say in, as we uh, part ways here? You know, Gordon, I think at the root of what we're talking about here is, is the contemporary self. And I, I just one final thought that I was, I was thinking about is that, you know, really we're, we're at a point now where – the cameras of cameras and, and videos have created a culture of celebrity, and really, we're at a, in the computer age, which is creating a culture of connectivity. And so now we're looking at something of a convergence around these two things. And but these two things, the the computer and 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 the camera, there's a common impulse, and both you know celebrity and connectivity are are, are ways of of becoming known. And I think that's what people want. People want to be recognized, they want to be connected, and they want to be visible. And I think the thing that, that's terrorizing to people and to employees is, is feeling anonymous and feeling disconnected. So the more organizations are doing to uh, you know, make people feel a part of it, make some people feel involved in, in the organization, and uh, bringing them to, together is going to make it a, a healthier work environment. Any closing thoughts, my friend? I will stay in touch with you. I hope our listeners check you out in the various ways that we've let them know that they can find you, uh, jonathanwillard.com, to see your art, check out what the involvement practice is up to, uh, check out your gallery over in Point Light at Gallery 5 or Point Lookout. Uh, wishing you all the best, my friend. And for our listeners, check us out on twitter.com forward slash Radio. Thanks again to Webmaster Radio. And we will check you out next week. I believe we have Gary Ridge, CEO of WD40, coming on next week. He's got some terrific information uh, and wrote a, a solid new book that we will overview next week as well. Take care, folks, and we'll catch you next week. Music.